Welcome this morning to Willow Park Church. And if you're joining us online, I'm going to give you a very warm welcome. We're blessed that you've done that. And if you're visiting us for the first time and uh, do feel welcomed, love to meet you, love to find out where you're from, um, visit a little bit and uh, you uh, see how you can connect into the Willow Park Church family. Thinking about that story that was uh, just read from the Gospel of John, John chapter 13, always amazes me to think about that story in its context that Jesus interrupts everything, gets down and breaks tradition and starts to wash the feet of his disciples. Don't you find incredible That the creator of heaven and earth, the creator God, incarnate, coming as man to this earth. The creator gets down on his hands and knees and washes somebody's feet. His disciples. Don't you find it incredible that the judge of all humanity that will judge all of us and will judge the world at the very end of the time gets down on his hands and feet, with a bowl of water and with a towel and shows the most beautiful image of the servant God, the God that serves, the God that cares, the God that is interested in each one of us. It is a beautiful thing. And then he says, I want you to do likewise. This is exactly what I want you to do. I want you to live like this. I want you to be like this. My church is to be full of this heart. Now, you don't go to many churches and, and have, have kind of... Foot washing ceremonies. I I don't know how, have you been to that? I've been to one wedding where there was a moment in the service where suddenly out came a bowl as a surprise to the bride. I bet she wondered what was going on. Then popped it down, took her shoes off. I guess she didn't have stockings, I haven't thought that one through. And, And started... Get the old soap out. Started washing her feet. And every of us watched. And I knew this was coming. And I'm stood there looking very ministerial. It's amazing. I'd never thought of that. A Jew? I never thought of that when I married you, Michelle. I would have gladly washed your feet. And every day. And then Jesus says, look at this. I will. I will. This is how I want you to be. This is exactly what church is all about. This is the, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Notice the difference in those two. There, so often Christianity in our modern culture has suddenly become serve me. Consumerism. We consume rather than we serve. And yet what I want to teach you this morning is that when we become a people committed to service, then we will experience the great blessing and the move of God within our lives. Christianity is about that service. That when we serve, we reflect the very nature of God. 
When we serve in our body within church and within church life, the Lord promises that we will be blessed, that even the Son of Man didn't come to be served as as the great kings and rulers of the ancient world. No, he came to serve humanity. And if we truly discover all that God wants to do in our lives, it comes by our willingness to serve each other. We were reminded of this verse at the beginning of the worship. How do you please the Apostle Paul? I mean, he wasn't an easy character to be around at times. I mean, if you upset him, as John Mark discovered, booted him off his team. Years later, he had him back on the team, but he wasn't very happy because Mark wanted to go back to his mother and he wanted him to keep going. I mean, he was quite, church tradition has that that the Apostle Paul was not the best looking of men. Did you know that? Not the best looking. In fact, church tradition says that he actually had a slight cross-eyed. So he'd be preaching like this and the person over there would fall and repent. He was that kind of man. He was that man that, that you, know, you felt uncomfortable with. And when he's the great apostle, he is the genius. He's the theological equivalent to, to, a kind of, um, to the greatest thinkers we can imagine, a Newton or whoever. And we think about that and his ability. <coughs> and yet, he says, so if there is an encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. So how does he want to be? Complete my joy, he says. Philippians, I want you to complete my joy. I want you to make me happy. This is how you make me happy. You make me happy by learning to be together as church and having the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind, preferring one another, loving one another, caring for each other. And when the church learns to love and to care and to support, and to serve each other. That is what this church is all about. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Imagine that, that when you go into a room of Christians, that the most important thing to us is not my interest, is my, not my ego, is not what I want, but I want to be so interested in you that I want to serve you and I want your interests to be fulfilled because I see it as my Christian duty to serve the church of God and to love each other. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Keep this clear in your mind. And who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But made himself nothing, taking the form, and here's this word again, of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. 
even death on the cross. And what this teaches us is that the very nature of church and the very nature of our service with God is that we should seek to serve others and we should seek to live humbly and we should seek with our walk with God to resemble and to reflect the very nature of Jesus. And where do we resemble that? Where does that play out? That plays out within church. We, we resemble the very nature and those that are humble, God says, I will bless and be with you. I mean, if you meet my son, he's not here this morning, he's got a bit of a, a cold and... Um, and a sore throat. But if you meet him, you'll notice instantly that he really looks and resembles like me. That's good. <laughs> the English ladies used to say when he was like three or four, running around the church, we were in, they used to go, oh, look at him. Mm. This is very English, this is, sorry. But they go, hmm. Yes, look at that. Oh, look, look, look. Oh, you can tell who the father is, can't you? As if there's any doubt. And, oh, he resembles him. Look, you can tell. And this is the heart of what Paul is communicating. When people look at us, they can tell who the father is. And the father is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we resemble the Lord Jesus Christ. You see that, Christian? Oh, I can tell. I can tell who that person resembles. That Christian resembles the follower. That Christian resembles Jesus. That Christian has interest in others. That Christian loves others. That Christian serves others. Boy, there is a resemblance that is uncanny. And as the writer of Acts says, in all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, Luke wrote, it is more blessed to give than to receive. When church becomes about consumerism and when church becomes driven by what we want and by what I want and by feed me and by consumerism, then we lose the blessing. But when we become a people that are committed to loving each other, that are committed to serving each other, that are committing to caring for each other, are committed to showing the interest of each other and not being consumers, but living as servants of Christ. Boy, there is great blessing in living that way. And I think a lot of Christians in the Western world are losing the blessing of God because they're joining into the consumeristic society rather than serving, rather than giving, rather than discovering all that God has done within your life. And the truth is, Pastors and churches have not helped this. We've become the professionals. We've become the ministerial. We are the pastors. We are the clergy. We are the vicars. We minister. But by doing that, we become the people that do it. Whereas the scripture teaches we're not supposed to do it. We're supposed to equip you to do it. And God calls the body to work together. And we work together. And you've got gifts, you've got abilities, you've got skills, 
You've got things that God has placed within your life that God wants to use and the way that God wants to work. And yet for many of us, these gifts, these abilities have become utterly and completely dormant. Look at this great scripture. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When the church gathers together, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 it says, When we gather, there is a manifestation of the power and the presence of God amongst us. And why is this manifestation here? It is here for the common good. And I think the danger is, is that we've lost the sense of awe and we've lost the sense that when believers gather together, there is a manifestation of God's Spirit and that God's Spirit is here. And of course, this is in the context of the gifts. When he's talking about the gifts and the abilities that God has given to every person. And when we gather together, we come together and we look for gifts that God has given us to serve the body for the common good. This body needs you to serve for the common good and the blessing it will bring to us and also to you when we serve each other. We know in scripture that there are the, there are the word gifts where people are able to teach and bring wisdom. There are the mercy gifts when you feel more driven by service and caring for people. There are the power gifts when you're praying for people and praying for situations and you're praying in faith that God will move. And this 21 days of prayer, so many of us have been praying in faith for so many people and God has been answering prayer all around. We've been travailing that God would answer uh, Pastor Jeremy and, and uh, Kimberly that they would, they would uh, sell their house in Saskatchewan. They've got a little house in a town of 5,000 people. That is a great miracle if they can sell it. And this week I got a text when I was in England just to let you know we've accepted an offer on our house and we've sold our house. Fantastic. Somebody was struggling and dying in hospital and desperate to find Christ and we're able to go and pray. And we've seen, you know, where it seemed a desperate situation, God intervened and now we're hearing that the, that the body is being healed, that God is moving and that there's a change happening. And I think of all the Christian friends that have gone to that hospital and sat in the cafe and sat in the hallways and have prayed that God would intervene, have served, have loved, have texted, have stepped in, have prayed. I think sometimes that we forget. So with you... Yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in what? In building up the church. Every one of us has a gift. Every one of us has the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he encourages us to strive in what God has given you. Strive in the way that God is leading you. Strive in that gift. And why do we strive in this way? We strive and we serve and we give to build up the church of God. You know, we're very familiar with manifestations. Particularly evil ones. Hollywood, movies. Demon possession. 
manifestations. So we've got a little picture of that. And yet for some reason we're familiar because we watched films like the, I guess, Terrified Us in the 70s and 80s, like The Exorcist and Spinning Heads and so on. We've got all this kind of weird idea. But what the church seems to fail to do is have a really clear picture of somebody who is manifesting the beauty and the love and the power of God through their lives. But boy, does God want to manifest through you? Does he want to use you? Every one of you has a gift. Even those that I may not know who you are, but you've come here, you're hiding in the back, and now I'm welcoming people at the front door, you're sneaking in through the back door. I'm just glad you come. Oh, I don't, Pastor Phil's there again in his coat, I can see him. Oh, there I go. No, I'm, I'm guessing that. But by the laughter, I'm thinking, there's a few of you doing it. <laughs> and that's okay. I don't mind that. <laughs> that's good. It's fine. I'm just glad you come. But the truth is, even if you're hiding, God still has a gift at work in you. And you're rubbing the body when you're not letting the Lord use that gift. And when you become dormant, and when you become inactive, when you stop serving, you lose the sense of blessing that God wants to move. Now, why does God want us to serve? Why does he want us to this? Well, the reason is very simple. We serve because when we serve, we grow and we develop. And there's gifts, of course, that God gave Apostles and prophets, evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip, and there's that word, equip the saints for, for ministry, for building up the body. And when the church stops equipping the saints for ministry, that's why we run pursuit night school. That's why we run pursuit school. That's why we run seminars about prayer and different events. And maybe, you know, it's very challenging. We need to keep thinking about how we can equip, how we can equip. Why do we equip? We equip so that you may grow. What parent does not love to see their children grow? Oh, it's great, isn't it? We sold our house in England in all, uh, last autumn. But on, on one of the door frames... Which I'm thinking about it now, I should have like taken the door frame out. Because it had, from then they were tiny, it had them up against the, and this is how, how tall am I, Daddy? And then there were Emily and Jessica. They were growing up and, and Bella. And, and like this, I should have taken it out because it, I looked at this and we, we, every month or every period, how tall am I? Stand by the door. Let's mark it. Let's see you grow. Look at this. Hooray. Look, you're growing. Well done. That's brilliant. Look at that. I'm so happy. Should have ripped the door out and brought it to Canada and put it in the Kelowna Museum. Because um, I'm so proud that these are my kids. They're growing. I love it. Look how you've grown. That is the heart of God when you start to grow because he's your parent. And when we grow and we serve and we produce, it makes such a difference in our lives. You grow when you serve. 
You die when you stop serving. But what is the Lord calling you to do? What is the Lord asking you to do? Where have you lost that sense of growing, of working together, of being together and understanding this? From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What is the energy? What is the glue? What is the operating system in the life of the church that keeps us running and keeps us operating? It is very simple. The operating system is this. It is love. Oh, many people want to teach. Many people want to lead. Many people want position. Many people want status. But it's not fueled by our ego. It's fueled by our love for others. It's fueled by caring for others. It's fueled by a patience with others. It's fueled by a kindness towards others. It's fueled not by jealousy or envy, but or by boasting or by arrogance or by being rude and dishonoring about other people. It is fueled by being not self seeking, not easily angered. It is fueled by not holding on to a record of wrongs all the time or delighting in evil but rejoicing in truth. It is fueled by a body that is full of the love of God that is supporting one another, that is is protecting one another, that is hoping for one another, that is trusting in one another, and that is persevering to believe the very best in one another. That is what it's about. We serve out of a heart of love. A new commandment I give to you. You love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. The biggest key to church growth, revival and evangelism is that the people of God love one another, forgive one another, support one another, care for one another. And when we learn to love one another, then it changes this world because people go, wow, those Christians are incredible. It is the love of God. So challenging. Because we become so used to being consumers and we no longer serve them. And so, you know, I look at the life of of the Apostle Paul. I look at the way that he persevered. And the way that he says, you know, I love this church. I love this, this kingdom. I love what God has done for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I look at this, I want to, I want to be like this man. And if I am to live in the flesh, that means... Fruitful labor, yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell, he says. I'm hard-pressed between the two. Should I be in glory or should I keep working here? Because I love the church. It's far better. 
but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. In other words, he's building this picture that I'm longing for heaven and glory and to be with Jesus, but it's necessary to stick around and do what God is asking me to do. And the reason you're still around is because God's not finished using you. You've got things to do. You've got prayers to pray. You've got things to change. You've got acts of service to be involved in. You're not here by mistake. You've got a job to do, to serve. I'm convinced of this. I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. I'm going to keep believing for you. I'm going to keep pushing in so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. When church becomes so consumer driven... I worry sometimes that we no longer represent the church that God wants us to be. When we lose the centrality of Scripture, when we lose the idea of servanthood, when we lose the idea of devoted prayer, when we lose the idea of communion and breaking of bread and true worship, we may lose the very essence of what church is all about. And maybe what we need to do is that we need to provoke each other a bit, push each other. Maybe we need to realize that when we're not serving or not allowing the Lord to use us, maybe that the Bible sees that as sinful. And we need to prod each other. We grow through, often, through somebody prodding us. But in today's culture, we're so afraid of prodding each other and saying, come on, you've got that gift, you've got that ability, you've got this, let me prod you. We don't like that, do we? I mean, but I know the difference a bit of prodding can do in, you know, when I'm training for a marathon or you want to get fit or you want to, like, go for it. You, to have somebody alongside, my friend has a personal trainer called Max. And when I was back in England, he kept talking about Max. And I started joking a little bit with him because he'd go to Max in the morning and he'd train him and he'd prod him. And he'd say, come on. Let's get going. And, and because there was that little encouragement, it made the difference. Maybe that's what we need. I mean, I go to the YMCA and I actually see quite a few of you there. It's good. You know who you are. I mean, and I go in, I get to my little treadmill and I start running and you're there. But wouldn't it be strange... <laughs> If you're all the members of Willow Park Church, there's a lot of you that go there. We all went together and we went, okay, we're going to the YMCA. And the trainer today is John. Hello, John. He goes, hello. I'm your super trainer. And today we are going to watch John train. And we all stand around John and we sing a few songs. Way. And now John's pushing up. Here he is. He's pushing this up. He's... 
He's on the treadmill now. And then he's on that funny machine that shakes you. That I have no idea what it does. And, but a lot of you go on it. And maybe it's a reward. And uh, I think he gets rid of some acids or something. And, and we're all clapping. Well done, John. It's been great to come to the gym because we've watched you do it. I leave unchanged, but John's very fit. Modern church is in danger of becoming exactly that. That we go and watch the professional do it, and yet in the priesthood of all believers, God calls every one of us to serve. To make a difference. I don't know how, Jasmine interpreted that little bit there. Very well, good. <laughs> when you're searching for a quote, you can't... See, I've got a lot of scripture and I'm running out of time. We've got to always go to the great A.W. Tozer. He says, our most pressing... Obligation today is to do all in our power to retain a revival that will result in a reformed, revitalized, purified church. It is of far greater importance that we have better Christians than that we have more of them. There's a lot of church attendance goes on. But we've got to be willing to say, are we getting better? Are we moving forward? Are we fulfilling this verse, 1 Peter 4.10, as each of you receives a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You've all received gifts, he says. But use those gifts to serve one another, to love one another. Not to watch the professionals do it, but God has got a role for you. Fueled by a love for the body of Christ. Fueled by good character. Fueled by all of his goodness of getting down and washing people's feet. So use those gifts. And the final verse. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. That's a hard verse. If you know the right things you should be doing, but you become dormant, maybe we need to realize it for what it is, and it's sin. It is sin to not use the gift of God that God has placed within your life. I thought I'd finish on a cheery note. Now I realise when I pray about this and have spent time with the Lord, I realise that for many of us we have given up serving in church because church has hurt us. Church has wounded us. I'm sorry about that. Possibly even 
this church in some way has wounded you and hurt you. And out of your goodness, you still come. I don't know. It's such a varied activity church with so many people, with so many stories. But what I believe uh, as we finish this service, I believe there's anointing of the Holy Spirit. That if you come to the Lord afresh and say, Lord, heal my broken heart, heal my wounds, and help me again to fan into flame the gift of God that you've put within me. Help me, Lord, to find that healing in my heart. I promise you, it's the Lord's heart from the scriptures I've shared with you that he wants you to experience the manifestation of the Spirit in your life with the gifts that God has given you and God will use you. But maybe it's time to let go of the pain, to let go of the hurt. Then there are those of you who this is all new. You thought you'd come to church and just watch the preacher and now I'm telling you, you've got a job to do in the kingdom. And maybe now it's time for you to go, okay, Lord, where am I called? What should I be doing? What difference should I make? That's wonderful. And this time for you. And I want to pray as we think about this is us. As we love each other, that we will know. And of course, coming up this um, this month in February, as we enter into February next week, we've got Rush, where it's an opportunity for everybody in the church to volunteer if they desire to a thousand young people coming from across Kelowna and across um, British Columbia. A, a great opportunity, like Living Nativity was, to connect and to serve. Maybe for you, we've got a prayer meeting tomorrow night, which is the end of the 21 days of prayer, of which I want to invite every one of you to come at 7 o'clock. And those prayers are your servant actions to make a difference and to give thanks for the three things that you've been praying for. And God is moving and God loves to answer prayers. I love it. I don't know. But in the final moments of our gathering, allow the Holy Spirit to revitalize your heart of service. Revitalize that gift. Maybe it's not difficult to run a small group. If you've been a Christian, a mature Christian, and you've been walking the walk, let's just say, for 10 years straight, and you are determined to follow Jesus, but you're not discipling other people, there's a problem there. Small groups aren't difficult. We make them complicated because we all think we've got to bring great learning. And as I said in two sermons ago, just get together, read a few chapters from the Bible, and share what you appreciate about it, and what God highlights, and pray with each other, and bless each other, and then have lots of cakes. That's what you need. And I guarantee you will put on pounds and be blessed and I'll see you at the YMCA on that machine jaggling. It's not complicated to make your Christianity work. It's just that we've made it complicated.
Hallelujah. Let's stand together. For each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. If you've been reading my devotions, you know that in it I talk about the manifestation of the Spirit and the gifts. About order, about our lives, about these things. So I, but what I do want to say right now is, you will be greatly blessed when you serve within the body of Christ. With that love. Greatly blessed. So Lord. Maybe just let the music go away. (laughs) I love it that you have that tune from the 80s. Whoever you are. Please keep coming every week. I love it. But Lord, we thank you that for each is given for the common good, the manifestation of the Spirit to serve the body. And Lord, I pray for woes, those who are here that have been hurt by church life. I know handfuls of pastors that attend here that have been in church ministry and you've been wounded. Father, I pray that in the, throughout this next song, supernaturally, you will heal the wounds of dear shepherds that have served congregations faithfully, but have come out battered in Jesus' name. I pray, God, for those that have served on boards here in other churches and other elderships, and they've experienced pain of that experience, perhaps. I pray for healing power right now. I pray, Lord, for those that have ministered in, in power church organizations and served on the national stage and across the country and have felt the sting and the pain of the way politics can work. I pray for your healing power to come and that nothing will be robbed in this congregation from the beautiful gifts that you've placed for people that have served and have sort of fallen asleep. I pray, Lord, that we will step into our love and that we will minister and know, Lord, why you're asking us to do. I pray, Lord, for people here that are brand new to church and they didn't realize that they have a great role to play that will bless many people. I pray, God, That you will use us as this body. Release us, Lord. And help us, I ask. So come, Holy Spirit. And may the pastors of this church, all its manifestations of many gatherings and congregations, this fused diversity, may... We all heed the call to equip the body for the works of ministry in Jesus' name. Come, Lord, now. Come with your all of your presence and help us to step in. It is better, it is more better to give 
more blessed to give than to receive. In Jesus' name. Amen.